Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener to episode 24 of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. With me as always today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here. Hello. In today's podcast, we'll talk about Lady Thor, President Redford, and a new crossover any 80s fan would die for. But first... Oh, at the downer, but first. Yeah, it's a slight downer because we have some drawn and paneled news that we need to address before we even get into what's happening. One of us has decided that we are no longer good enough for them. Are we playing Russian roulette? Are we spinning the chamber? (laughs) No, no. Do we know who it is yet? Are we finding out (laughs) live? We're finding... (laughs) (laughs) We have found out already. Unfortunately, Jason has decided that it's time for him to move on from both Comic Sans and Drawn and Paneled. He has been an awesome part of this journey for me for at least the last year or more at this Mm -hmm. point. But you have got some other stuff you wanted to take care of and get done, some new hobbies you wanted to explore. And I, you know, I wish you all the best. I'm going to be extremely sad to see you go because now I've got to argue with John. And uh, that's a tough job, man. Yeah, I don't have your backing me up anymore. More. Um, so Jason, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see you go, but I understand, you know, you got other stuff you want to do. And this is a big commitment every week to do this podcast. So, so. Jason, is this something that I said? I mean, what's the, <laughs> what? what haven't you said, John? Wow. No. There you go. <laughs> it was everything you, you right said, out the door. <laughs> no, but Be sure but to kick all, me the teeth on the way out. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. No, that's, that, that was the plan all along. No, in all seriousness, <laughs> I, uh, I did, en- I have enjoyed my time. Um, a lot on Comic Sans and then on Drawn and Paneled. It's been a great opportunity and I've enjoyed talking comics with jo- uh, George and arguing with John. But <laughs> just some other uh, some other stuff has come up that I'd like to pursue a little bit of some continuing education. But I wish you guys the best of luck. But I haven't left yet. I'm still here for this episode. So yes, real you world, are. The real world can really stink sometimes, can it? <laughs> <laughs> you are here for this episode. And also along with us is the person that we all three kind of got together and I I don't want to say handpicked, but I'm going to say handpicked anyway because my show and I can say whatever I want. Uh, We found a person who is going to take over and try and carry Jason's torch into the future of Drawn and Paneled, our former unpaid intern at Gen X Grown Up has now joined us as an unpaid co-host. Rachel is here. Rachel, how you doing? Hey, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> she is so timid and shy. Listen what, at her. What have I stepped into? This is not the Rachel I know who gives me grief at every convention we go to together. Come on, what Rachel. Tell done? the people hi out there. Hi. <laughs> so, Rachel, tell us a little bit about your experience. I know when I first brought up the subject of you being on this podcast, you were very excited because you do read a lot of comic books. Yes, I love comics. I was kind of raised to be a nerd, so (laughs) (laughs) I read lots of comics, indie comics, all kinds of stuff. I mean, 
I went to bed listening about how Captain Marvel died and <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> So you got bedtime comic book stories, then that's the right way to raise a child right there, folks. Yeah, I had no friends till later, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Spider-Man was your friend and the Hulk and Captain America. Those were your friends, right? Sure. (laughs) Sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So George drafted me. I'm really curious to know, how did you get drafted, Rachel? What made you want to be on Drawn and Panel? Well, I got a text saying... (laughs) hey, you want to be on Drawn and Pandled? And I went, (laughs) cool. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm here. Was that an apprehensive cool or was that an enthusiastic cool? A little of both. A little of both. (laughs) (laughs) So you've never done a podcast before, right? Never. Yeah. So I can understand the apprehensive part of it. John has obviously done the Genic Growth podcast for, I don't know, two years now, John, Mm -hmm. almost. And I've done a podcast before that too. But yeah, you were indoctrinated. You trial by fire as well, George. You know what it's like. Yeah. 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 Rachel, where you're at is exactly where I was at you know, two years ago when John said, hey, we're going to do a podcast. I said, who's we, white man? I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, when I first got the text and we said, hey, we found the the new third chair. It's Rachel. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was like a V8 moment. I'm like, what a fantastic fit. Uh, Rachel is sounding (laughs) a little timid right now. Don't worry, that won't last because I know Rachel well. She knows her stuff. She's got her opinion. She can state her case and she knows her business when it comes to comics. I think what a great choice. Yeah, no, I was super excited to have her on here. Even Jason, I believe you were really pumped when you found out that Rachel was going to be the person who was going to join us and take your spot, right? Oh, absolutely. I have met Rachel a few times at conventions. And when George uh, said that she was going to uh, take over, I thought, why didn't I think of that? It was a great idea. Yeah. So. <laughs> what did Imagine. I think about that a year ago when I first started this stupid podcast? I could have gotten out of this a long time ago. Damn Imagine it. how excited Jason would be if he was going to continue to listen. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time for Shazam. At the sound of that magic word, a bolt of lightning flashes out of the night sky. Don't you know that you're a Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. George, John, and Rachel, Mm -hmm. what's happening (laughs) in the comic book universe. Rachel, I know you found some, been doing some research and digging. What have you got for us? Well, the biggest thing I found was Natalie Portman's going to be Lady Thor. Oh, yes. What? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So that's the article you sent to us. All right. Yes. Um, She's going to be Jane Foster's Lady Thor. They're adapting that from the comics. Not quite Mm -hmm. sure how that's going to go, considering in the comics, Jane Foster gets cancer. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yes. Thor becomes unworthy, so she picks up the hammer. But every time she uses the power, her cancer gets worse. Yeah. Now, 
she was kind of sickly in one of the Thor films, though, wasn't she? Yeah, but that was when she was like infected with the Infinity Stone. So I'm yeah. not sure how that's going to play out. Right. That wasn't cancer necessarily. I have okay. so many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, well, ask away. Right, so yeah, Natalie Portman is going to be Lady Thor. So I never heard of Lady Thor. That's not a question, just a observation of my ignorance. But <laughs> so standard fare for is, this podcast. Is, yeah, that's me. So is Lady Thor, <laughs> is Natalie Portman playing the same character she played before, but becoming all Thorized or... Yep, she'll mm-hmm. be Jane Foster, She's worthy of wielding the hammer. I didn't know you yeah. could get turned into Thor. I did. Okay, that's well. It's, it's not so much that you get turned into Thor; it's that you become worthy, worthy of, of the hammer, the hammer, like right. uh, like Captain America did at the end of Endgame, kind of thing. Yeah, he didn't very become much Thor; like he that. became able to wield the power. And so, does that mean you you get like all the powers of Thor? Like you can command thunder and lightning and stuff too? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. she gets all of that, and she can also adjust the hammer's trajectory after she's thrown it. Oh, Rachel, did I read right that the title of this film, which is going to be the fourth in the Thor franchise line, is called Thor Love and Thunder? Is that really what they're going with? The movie? Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) Could they have picked a worse name? Holy hell. It sounds like a great title for a ZZ Top album. Definitely. (laughs) I see that, like, spray paint on the side of a minivan and some lightning bolts. (laughs) This got introduced, or announced, rather, at Comic-Con, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, They announced a whole bunch of stuff, but this one was one of the ones I was most excited for. Oh, really? Really? What were some of the other ones that they announced? Um, they talked about the new Doctor Strange movie coming up, which they mm. said they're going to be taking in more of a horror direction, which should be pretty cool. Ooh, mm-hmm. Ooh OK. That'll be good for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. They also hinted at the Fantastic Four and mutants coming back into the MCU. Oh, that'll be nice. OK. Jason, what about you? Did you find anything out this week? What's going on? Uh, yes, I found some interesting casting news for the upcoming Watchmen series from HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Famous, popular, longtime actor Robert Redford will play President Robert no. Redford in the <laughs> series. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, John and Rachel, I'm not sure. Have either of you guys read the original 12 issue Watchmen series? Oh, from back absolutely. In the day? I've never read that. I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I've never read that. Thank you, John. <laughs> that started off so positive. <laughs> So in some of the last panels there, there's a reference to a person named R.R. running for president. And during the Watchmen timeline, Nixon actually gets all the president term limits abolished oh. so a person can be reelected forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of a Just thing. the right. president we want that to happen to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Could be worse. But this this person named RR runs for the presidency and I believe it's either 88 or 92 and beats Nixon finally because Nixon had become president all that time up until that point. And everybody assumed or guessed that that was in reference to Robert Redford because, you know, he was big political activist. Mm-hmm. He'd done a lot of political films and okay. stuff. And Alan Moore was kind of a fan of his, but they never outright said it. But then just recently, Jason and I, we've talked a little bit about Doomsday Clock back in the Comic Sans days. And Doomsday Clock came out and outright said that Robert Redford won the presidency in 92. Huh. So yeah. I guess with this new Watchmen series, that must be where they're going to pick up the timeline. Uh, yes, the, the uh, show is supposed to take place in sometime in the 90s, about 10 years after the events of the book. 
I think it's more of a oh. sequ- I think it's more of a sequel to the book than the movie. But uh, okay, yeah. So it's it's going to be set sometime in the nineties. Uh, and so yeah, Robert Redford will be president, uh, hmm. and Jeremy Irons is playing an older Ozymandias. So Ooh. Mm-hmm. that's pretty cool getting Robert Redford. I think he was even talking about retirement from acting at one point recently. So I guess they talked him into playing himself as president. Maybe, you know, that scratched an itch for him because he's so politically active and everything. Well, you don't have to act much when you're playing yourself. So at least it's easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be really cool. I like to see that. That's a really cool, interesting series. I love the Watchmen books. Doomsday Clock has been really good yes. so far. I think there's like two more issues left in it now um, but it'll be nice to see this series coming out and hopefully HBO will do a good job who knows this maybe this could be their next Game of Thrones thing now Rachel you did some extra work as the unpaid co-host title would indicate you got a promotion so you decided to do a little bit of extra work and you found another article of something you wanted to talk about today yeah, I found an article about how, you know how successful the MCU has been these past 12 years, I think now? Mm-hmm. That success is not helping comic shops at all. How is oh. that possible? Well, <laughs> from the article, um, apparently that it doesn't translate the same because, you know, with all these movies and stuff, they're taking the heroes we all loved and read about, but they're changing them. So that when oh, people yeah. come into mm-hmm. a comic shop and they pick up that book, the hero is not recognizable to them. That makes uh, sense. Oh, yeah, so they if, are doing that quite a bit. If that's their first exposure is in the movies. So they think they're going to mm-hmm. walk in and pick up a continuation of that movie and it doesn't there's it doesn't have a, have a thread that connects it. You would think that it would at least would draw people into the stores and then the comic shop owners would be good enough salesmen to talk people into reading some other stuff maybe that's not necessarily MCU that would get them interested in comic books and turn them into regular customers, wouldn't you? You would think so, but apparently not. More than 50 comic book shops around the country closed their doors in 2017, including like real big names like St. Mark's Comics in New York. I know my dad said he used to get all his comics there and now it's just gone. Man. But mm. either it just seems it's counterintuitive. Like you told me that it's a true or false, John. I'm like total shenanigans. That's false. <laughs> you, you think with as big as superheroes are now in every in television in movies. I mean podcasts about them. Who <laughs> heard the Wolverine when we talked about? I can't believe that. Uh, I mean the comic books are more on my radar than they ever were before, and I bought more in the last you know five years than I did in the previous ten. Mm-hmm. But I you guess know that's what? Not I a mean, universal. It might thing. be part of it. It might be ease of accessibility. Think about mm-hmm. it like this. It is so easy to watch one of these films right now, even if you're not talking about going to the theater, right? Yep. Once it gets done with the theater, within a month or two, it's going to be downloadable, you know, where you can watch it on DirecTV's experience or some, you know, Amazon Prime this or Netflix that. Somebody's going to have it up on a service that you can get for five bucks a month Mm -hmm. and watch it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But in order to go to the comic book store, you got to do a couple of things. Number one, you got to get dressed. Then you got to get in your car. (laughs) Then you got to drive somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, let's not do that. Before you even drive somewhere you got to find out if you have one in your town because Rachel talking about 50 of them closing in 2017, which was one of the biggest years for the MCU. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there are fewer and fewer of these shops around. So you got to find one. Then when you walk in, it's a little intimidating. It is. If you're a person who's never been into comic books or into a comic book shop, because while 
Some comic book shop owners are very friendly and very outgoing. Traditionally, the people who love comic books are not the people who are great salesmen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not the people who, you know, could sell cars or anything like that. They're usually a little bit more introverted, a little bit more shy. And I would imagine that the guys who are running the shop sometimes, you know, they're a little bit more closed off. Maybe I know I've experienced that walking into shops that aren't the big chain ones, Mm -hmm. you know, like we talk about that we have down here in the South. Um, but just a local little comic shop, maybe they're a little bit more protective and maybe that's part of it. Yeah. And also like how the MCU is expanding out to women and stuff like that. And a lot of comic shops and stuff in general aren't really open. That's a good point. Then let me ask your opinion, Rachel. You're a comic book fan, have been for years. Like you said, you grew up on comic mm-hmm. book bedtime stories. When you go into a comic book shop now, especially if it's one you hadn't gone into previously, you know, a new shop somewhere. How do you feel like how are you? Are you um, are are you intimidated or do the people make you feel unwelcome or do they welcome you with open arms? I wouldn't say they welcome me in with open arms, but I don't I don't let that deter me. I'm a super fan, so right. I need comics. <laughs> I'm going to get them. Um, <laughs> but it's it, until they have to like test you, I guess. OK. Oh, mm. so I'll be like, oh, this is super cool. And they're like, oh, well, do you know about Silk or Spider Gwen or Spider? 2099 and I got to use their actual names and be like, it's oh, like Miguel, they're, yeah. They're checking your comic book cred almost, right? And that's <laughs> funny because all the people in the article that you gave to us, Rachel, all the guys who are comic book shop owners, they talk about building a community and how they're trying to do that. And maybe they're saying that publicly, but maybe they're not doing that in practice from what your experiences are, it sounds like. Maybe not. That's why with my comic book shop, I, would, I wouldn't go anywhere else because they, the guy who runs it, super awesome and welcoming. And I mean, even he's had to branch out to tabletop gaming and stuff like that to help keep the doors open. Well, and there are some easier ways to get comic books these mm-hmm. days as well, right? We've talked about it before with the online shops. Or maybe, you know, you're part of the younger generation and you don't want the physical books at all. So you go to Comixology or one of the other services that we've talked about here, Graphite or whoever. I mean, you go to all these different places to get comic books. You don't have to go to a local comic book shop anymore. And if they want to stay open, they're going to have to figure out a way to compete and to earn people's trust back. Because if you're killing off your industry when your industry should be at its highest, you're doing something wrong. You've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the masters of the universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. Welcome to the Drawn and Paneled Hot Seat Interview. In this part of the show, we sit down with a special creator, writer, artist, or celebrity from the comic book world to find out what makes them tick. Today's guest is Caleb Palmquist, the writer of the comic book A Small Favor. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I am having a blast. One of my favorite things to do is to sit here and get to talk to you wonderful people who create all the comic books that I love to read. So this is a real treat for me getting to do these interviews. Right on. So before we get too far along down that trail, Caleb, I'm going to start right off with the biography questions. Tell us a little bit about where you were born. Where's home? I was born in Spokane, Washington, um, which is actually technically the bit, uh, the second biggest city in Washington after Seattle. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Cool. So West Coast. Yep. Yep. Cool. And tell us a little bit about your work in the comic book industry. I mean, obviously you're here today to talk about a small favor, but I'm sure you've done quite a bit in the comic book world. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> I, uh, actually a small favor is my first comic book. Um, really? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, 
I, uh, so uh, a few years ago, a friend and I decided to team up and write a comic book together. And uh, that ended up becoming a small favor. We've done two books now, but since starting working on it, I've, I've started a lot of other projects, which are in one stage of production or another. So um, a small favor has, has two books and there's several more uh, that have been written and are being produced now. And then um, I'm working on an anthology project right now. And I'm working on okay. a fantasy comic, which will come out next year. Cool. So how are you going about getting these books produced? Are you using Kickstarter as a vehicle? Do you have a publisher that you like to work with in the indie world? Tell us how you're making this happen. Uh, so definitely it's all self-published. Um going through Kickstarter. I mean, uh, as far as publishing with a publisher, I would do it if I got an attractive enough offer. But, uh, you know, I've had discussions with some um, small press publishers, uh, but ultimately the question for me always comes down to what can they offer me that I can't do myself? And most of sure. the most of the really small guys really um, can't offer much more than a someone can can do themselves. I mean, if you really don't want to do any marketing or anything for yourself, then that might be the best option. But for me, I've found that uh, going going my own way, doing Kickstarter is uh, is the best option. Gotcha. So you're getting most of your marketing through Kickstarter using anything else like any social media platforms or conventions or anything like that? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, conventions are a huge thing. I meet so many people at conventions and I try to go to as many as I can. Um, we met at Megacon in, uh, mm-hmm. in Orlando, but uh, but I've done some sort of all over the country. I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon this fall. Uh, I'm going to Heroes Con, just actually, which is uh, coming up. Well. Right. North Carolina. Yep. Yeah. North Carolina, which is going to be awesome. A ton of really cool people are going to be at that convention. It'll be my first That's time. That's become one of the more de facto homebrew comic book conventions, especially on the East Coast. I mean, a lot of the true comic book creators favor that convention over most other ones from what I'm hearing the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely what attracted me to go to it. Cool. Well, we're talking a little bit about comic books. Let's talk specifically about this comic book we're going to be reviewing today. Give us a brief 30-second elevator pitch of a small favor a small favor welcome to earth world is our sort of number zero issue that we did for the series and um we just kick-started it at the beginning of this year and printed it uh just last week we got the we got the new the actual printed books in and sorry i'm not giving you an ele- elevator pitch <laughs> it's like no that's okay <laughs> i was gonna actually ask you what is a zero issue for those listening uh a zero issue is just like the issue that introduces you to the story. Um, we had done volume one first, but then uh, we decided we wanted an easier way for people to get into the story without committing to a whole volume. Uh, gotcha. And so it introduces the characters and the central conflict of the series. But basically the elevator pitch is that there is an immortal space traveler named James. He's been alive for 1,000 years since the Civil War, and now he's traveling stars with his AI companion, basically trying to figure out why he can't die oh okay so he doesn't know what's going on he's trying to learn about his whole destiny and everything that's exactly right he doesn't know he has a few clues and he's chasing them as far as they'll take him well i know there's a lot of inspirations in my gen x grown up past that might influence me writing a story like that but tell us a little bit about what your inspiration was for coming up with this story uh well to be honest i had ideas about uh space stories and i had ideas about historical um sort of plot lines 
And I was like, why can't I do both? You know, a story that has uh, Civil War uh, plot lines and, you know, intergalactic conquest plot right. lines. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, well, this guy's immortal. He's been alive since the Civil War. Sometimes he has flashbacks to uh, to the Civil War or like the 70s or whatever. And then right. and then there's a whole plot line going on in the distant future. And, uh, and I sort of use the flashbacks to kind of tie those together. So the story takes place present time is the future, the star traveling time, but then he has the flashbacks back to the relative moments that are important at that point of the story from his past. That's exactly right. So all the flashbacks so far happened in volume one, our number zero issue doesn't actually have any, uh, because okay. it's, it's very much just like a introduction to the characters, James. Kind of like a trailer for a movie. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. And then, so there's only one artist in on the number zero issue, but the big sort of twist, well, not twist, but the big selling point of the book is that in volume one, there's actually 15 different artists because wow. yeah, yeah. So every time period, every flashback is drawn by a different artists, man. Now, how do you manage 15 different artists? Cause no offense to <laughs> artists, but I've met quite a few of them and that's kind of like herding invisible cats and you've got 15 of them. So how did you manage that whole situation to get your book t- done? Um, it was a process. So the first, time well when we first started doing it I mean it was it was definitely a process and I had never worked with artists before so sure uh, we definitely had some trial and error but you know basically I found I just uh, had to work with artists that I trusted but even the artists that I trusted I had to give them a long runway because art takes time and life happens uh, of course right so basically you know um, I came up with the script gave it to the artists and I let, and I always let them see um, the script and the things that were happening around, uh, around the story that they were telling. But I, but I never uh, tried to constrain them in terms of style because I wanted every artist's individual style to come through. So one of the really cool things about, um, about volume one, at least is that you get to see this one character represented in all these different styles, uh, which for me at least was really awesome. Absolutely. Now I'm just curious, did you pick certain artists for certain parts of the story based on their style because their style reflected maybe a thing that you were trying to tell at that point in the story or was it just random draw where you said okay you're getting section one you're getting section two and let's all go uh it was absolutely based on their style so um one of the artists we have on that volume one is walter osley i don't know um if you guys know him but he's the artist of a book that came out this year called metal shark bro yeah for scout comics absolutely yeah um and he did a very small section in in our book that's a western story and the thing is is he had never drawn anything with cowboys but i could just like feel it in his style right. that he would be perfect for that story and he had his doubts too when i asked him to do a cowboy story but then it came out awesome and i was spot on um so that's got to feel good when you know your gut instincts work out right oh absolutely yeah well before we let you go caleb we've got a special segment for you our four rapid fire questions of death are you ready sir i'm ready (laughs) here we go question number one your favorite muppet oh my god (laughs) um maybe you weren't so ready no i'm not ready i'm not that familiar with muppets to be honest uh i might be totally failing you on this question that's okay now you've got the whole gambit you've got sesame street you got muppet show anything in the jim henson universe is fair game oh man i guess 
if Sesame Street counts, uh, then we're going with Big Bird just because I feel like I relate to Big Bird a lot. Okay, fair enough. We like the big yellow bird. He's awesome. <laughs> Question number two, a guilty pleasure you're ashamed to admit to. Oh, boy. Uh, now I have to admit to it. Uh, <laughs> I told you these were the four <laughs> rapid fire questions of death, not of happiness of death. Oh man. Okay. Here's my guilty pleasure. I'm ashamed to admit to. I love hot pockets. Really? Okay. Yeah. Hunched over late at night, writing your comic book, eating hot pockets. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, to tie in with that favorite snack, your favorite eighties film or TV show. Oh, that's easy. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That goes right with Hot Pockets, sir. That's a perfect <laughs> movie for Hot Pockets. <laughs> Question number four, your favorite comic or character that you did not create? Okay, let me think about this. Uh, I want to say that the, I'm going to say Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn. Nice. Good choice. The thing is, like, so why The Last Man, I think, was probably the first comic, like the first non-Marvel or DC comic that I picked up and read that made me think that it was possible to tell cool sci-fi stories in comic sure. book form. Well, I mean, that's why we love the independent comics here drawn in panel, because honestly, the big two just kind of keep churning out the same spandex and big muscles type of stuff. And it's the independent scenes that give you the great stories, I think. Why The Last Man, classic example. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Well, before we get out of here, Caleb, I want to give you just a brief moment to tell everybody where they can grab all your stuff. Okay, cool. So you can buy A Small Favor on our website, which is smallfavorcomic.com, and it's also available on Amazon. Okay. Awesome. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. And podcast listener, we'll be back right after this. The mutants will never rest until the Eye of Thundera is in their clutches. That will never happen. I'll see to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Drawn and Panel Roundtable segment. Up first, we just got finished with the interview with Caleb Palmquist, so let's talk a little bit about his book, A Small Favor, and we're going to talk about issue number zero. This is from Enkindu Studios. Caleb Palmquist and John Grimes wrote the book, along with Kyle Safarlin doing the art, and the basic story is that James, the main character, has been alive for a long time, mm. a really mm -hmm. long time, and he's traveling the stars with his AI companion, Liz trying to discover the truth about what happened to him all those years ago and what lies for him in his immediate future. Now, First up, John, super kudos to you for pronouncing all those names right. Yes. Nicely done. I know. Thank you, right? <laughs> <laughs> John, I know that we oftentimes you ask us questions being, you know, the slightly unfamiliar comic book guy on the oh, podcast. You can say it, dumbass. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what an issue zero is? Uh, I know what I think it is, and I'll tell you, and you tell okay. me if I'm right. Uh, Fair it, enough. Usually when I have seen issue zeros, never in books that I regularly read, but they always seem to be like a, it's almost like an extended trailer. That is exactly right. It is an extended movie yes. trailer. Yay, Yay John. <laughs> right. So welcome. Rachel. Yeah. Comic book expert, Rachel. That's my role here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> In this one instance. So let's talk a little bit about this one. The first thing I want to say, this is an immortal guy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's finally nice to see an immortal who's not like all, oh, life has no meaning because I'm going to live forever this incredibly long time. Because every time I see an immortal, that seems to be the standard trope, right? They're, oh, you know, I can't 
have a relationship because I'm going to outlive them and it's going to be so sad and I'm going to be depressed and morose, but not this guy. He seems to be just, eh, I feel like doing this today or I'm going to go here. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that, that they're doing something different with this book. Yeah, he's basically just bored, which if you live for <laughs> a long time yeah. is understandable. Yeah, but not depressed, just bored, right? You know, it's a slightly different motif, I thought. I, I just thought that was really cool. And the fact that he's an immortal but he's an immortal with an expiration date. Apparently he's only got a thousand years to live only a thousand years, but but he's running out and he say he's like 55 years left. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like 945 from the time when whatever happened, happened to him. And so he's got like 55 years left. So now he's like back into the, I've only got 50 years left to live. Like what we hopefully have, you know, I hope John lives for 50 years. Well, he might not though. He's kind of old. Wow. How old are you? You might, you might make it 30 years maybe. Gosh. Podcast of just yeah. me, downer. Well, I gotta be ready to take over the podcast at any I'll moment. Be you never know what's going on happen. your grave, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one thing I really liked about this was the art style. It mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of the Teen Titans comic, uh, not the comic, uh, the show they did, the TV show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. A little yep. bit like that, which was really cool, and I like the color mm-hmm. and the how it pops, but I'm not quite sure where the story's going. Like I get that he's bored and there's a wizard and stuff, but like, is there going to be someone else in it? Is there another immortal? What is this favor he owes? Which I guess are all good questions to ask because it makes me want to read the rest, but. Oh, well, I love mm-hmm. this new co-host because I 101% agree with Rachel on the art style. Here. <laughs> something I never did with Jason. <laughs> Stamp of approval. No. There you I, go. I love the art style too. I definitely picked up Oh, Jason on, on now. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that was fun for me was his interaction with his AI, Liz. I thought that that back and forth with uh, with them was a lot of fun. It kind of helped sort of progress the story along. It reminded me a sure. lot of um, Blade Runner 2049, uh, Ryan Gosling and his relationship with the uh, AI in his apartment. I don't know if y'all mm. saw that movie. Is that what mm-hmm. happened? Now, I, I saw it, but I tried to block it out of my mind, so I don't really <laughs> oh, remember that was a good all movie. the details. <laughs> No, there's one Blade Runner. There's one Blade Runner. You young folks, I'm sorry. There's one Blade Runner. That's it. Oh, wow. Oh, for sure. I see what you're talking about, his relationship with his AI and his home Mm -hmm. and how she kind of encourages him and keeps him going, you know? I loved it. They went to the Earth Amusement Park. I thought that was- Wasn't that awesome? That was a cool thing. You had like Glacier World and Old West World and, you know- Lance Armstrong on the moon. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I loved how she- asked him too she's like is this where is this like what it was where you grew up and he would just nod in his head yes this is exactly what it was like (laughs) yeah they went to america land and it was it was uncle sam on a unicycle juggling and he's like yeah i used to see that every day that's just what it was (laughs) like (laughs) i mean overall i think this was a great if you want to call it extended trailer issue zero mm-hmm. a small favor looks to be a really good book i can't wait to read issue number one uh caleb and his team have done a great job with this book and this is just another shining example of why independent comic books can be different and fun and engaging over the marvel and dc standards that we've had for years and just have in a lot of cases have kind of gotten a little bit stale yeah, really. I, w- I would so, voluntarily read the next one i want to know more 
So they've done well, their there you go. They've done, done That's their one of the best endorsements ever. If John voluntarily <laughs> wants to read a comic book, yeah. I don't force him to do it. That's no. awesome. Well, John, what about a book that you voluntarily found to bring to the round table? You had one from IDW, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I try to do my part. You know, you guys are suggesting comics left and right, and, and I'm not really in the know. And so I flip through what kind of what's coming up and I look for what would it be like if I walked into a comic shop and went, you know, yeah, Captain America, Thor, X-Men, blah, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, Transformers slash Ghostbusters, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is crossover book written by Eric Burnham and uh, art by Dan Schoening. Uh, and the this, the blurb kind of goes that after years of Civil War, the Autobots fled Cybertron, which we knew, uh, leaving their home planet, the evil clutches of Megatron and Decepticons years later and millions of miles away, the Autobots pick up a Cybertronian distress signal from a mysterious planet called Earth. And, uh, mm. you know, it wasn't at all what I thought it was is going to be but it was a bunch of cool stuff, quite frankly. Yeah, it seemed to deviate a little bit from the Transformers origin story that oh, I remember sure. yeah. when I was oh, a yeah. kid. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. I like the slight deviation. I thought that it was smart. Um, I think that leaving the Decepticons back on Cybertron to deal with what they mm-hmm. were going to have to deal with in the next couple of panels was yep. a really nice way to bridge the gap in the story because it is a crossover story and you've got to find some way to make that crossover seem logical and i thought they mm-hmm. did a decent they had job to wait that. for the transformers version of gozer to show up didn't they right yeah <laughs> <laughs> the opening with gozer on cybertron and i guess starscream has always been an idiot um yeah starscream's <laughs> a knucklehead and, yeah so that that opening of the way they did it and then just the black page of cybertron was destroyed and everybody else that was left on the planet I like wow okay so this is pretty pretty cool it drew, it, uh, drew me into the the story so i i thought that the way they did that was was pretty sweet yeah the nod to the original ghostbusters movie (laughs) how would you like your world to end (laughs) the choice has been made what? What'd you do? I don't know. It was just a little thought. I thought a, I, thought I really the, expected Stay Puff to yeah, jump up. Yeah. The Stay Puff like right? version. <laughs> Overall, I felt like it was fun, but the, the the original conceit that I read in the blurb that made me go, oh, that's interesting, is that the Ecto-1 was going to become a Transformer. I'm like, oh, sure. I get it. Mm-hmm. But that's... That payoff happened at the end of the first issue and too little else happened. They had the nod to the original Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. There was a just a very contrived ploy for the Ghostbusters to get away from Ecto-1 for a second so it could turn into an Autobot. And that was pretty much it. And then so while I liked it, I don't see what they set up for me to. It didn't drive me to want to see the next thing because the novelty of this crossover kind of already happened by the end of the first issue. I was kind of hoping there'd be a bit more like suspense to it, that it'd be the Transformer for Mm -hmm. a while kind of helping them fight off ghosts and right. they'd be like, oh, Ecto-1's like acting weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Me too. So yeah, same thing. I, th- I think they could have be- could have become an Autobot and not done the reveal until the second or third issue. But yeah, I'm right with her with yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Again, I'm right there with you, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> we got an email based off of our last current events episode where we talked about a book called Alienox from Dearmas Comics. And this was written in art done both by Alberto Dearmas. We did an interview with him. Super nice guy. Uh, he was very friendly and pleasurable. Well, he sent an email to us Uh-oh. and 
thanked us oh, okay. for our negative review of <laughs> Alienox number one and actually agreed with most of the points that we brought up in that episode. So he asked, however, if we wouldn't mind reading issues number two and possibly number three and reviewing those as well, because he said that one of the things he agreed with was that when he did the first one, he did try to do it all himself mm-hmm. and he was a little bit overwhelmed with it. And he since then has relinquished some of the chains of the different things that he does for the book to other people. So he asked us to read Alien Ox number two. I'll give you just the brief rundown of it. Donovan is back and he's trying to understand what's going on with the inner worlds confronted by a revolution inside him. There's an antagonist blood mask who's introduced in this issue along with a mentor, Zach Tran, um, who makes contact for the first time. And before we dig too deep in this, I want to mention that you know, Gen X grown up in as a whole and drawn and paneled, you know, any reviews that we do, we're going to be honest in our reviews. And sure. And, and I always, because I, I really am compassionate about creative people who are artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are, but we don't do a negative review because we're down on the artists. And I, I, you know, I feel bad for Alberto because this is his baby. And we were talking about mm-hmm. it before, but our first priority and our first uh, responsibility is to our listeners and our audience. We're not going to blow smoke sure. up your butt. Uh, we like the guy, but we're not going to do that. And so if you go back and listen to the previous episode, it, we weren't tearing down. <laughs> we were just criticizing the things that we found weren't amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciate yeah, and, that Alberto mm-hmm. received that in the intention that it was uh, delivered. Now, this book, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I think he still had a little bit more room to grow. So maybe issue number three is where he started to make some of those changes. Uh, Jason, what did you think? I, I thought that there was some improvement. The last time we discussed the book, I kind of commented on the art that it was just very stiff and I thought that there's a scene with a superhero battle our heroes battling this really big mm-hmm. nasty bad guy and I felt there was a little more fluid fluidity or whatever in the battle and I like the superhero design so I thought from that point of view that there was um, some improvement and I actually enjoyed that fight scene a little bit yeah I caught a little joke that he tried to throw in there as well I mean I'm not sure that it hit quite home yet and this is still part of the Spanish to English translation issue but he tried to make a reference to oh you're turning big and green you know that's yeah, been right. done yeah. before yeah, it was a, it yeah, was a little was stilted cute. that was nice yeah. Yeah. it was just yeah. delivered a little stilted but I, he was starting to get away from the hyper seriousness which was an improvement mm-hmm. but I yeah, think I you're right like, Jason it was a really good scene art wise I have to say the concept was cool to me the your body being its own world I mean because it right. technically sure. is just adding a superhero spin on that was something I haven't really seen before so I did enjoy that part of it. I found the introduction of the superhero version of the protagonist to be a little like contrived, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of him discovering his powers, which he kind of did a little in the next few pages. Mm-hmm. But instead, there was like one big splash page, and it was like it was almost like the butt. It was like the art on the back of the action figure. You know, kung fu grip, laser eyes. Right, he right. can do this. His boots are red. <laughs> you know, and it was kind of like yeah. d- you're, don't yeah. exposition me. Show me the powers. Don't right. you know? I thought that bullet point was it was a little. It was an immature way to introduce a. Hero, I would much rather see the see the things evolve as the character realizes them instead of you know showing me you know box art if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me discover mm-hmm. it with you. Don't just throw it in my face, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, at times, I think this book is a little bit better than issue number one. Like we talked about, oh, I think that it big is. fight scene. Yeah. I think the art was better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that some of the writing was a little bit better, although the translations, there was several points where there was definitely some English issues with this. But I think all in all, it still suffers from some of the same problems as issue number one, but I can see a progression as it moves down the line. So I'm going to go ahead and read issue number three. I'm not sure if we'll get an opportunity to review it on the podcast anytime soon, but I'm definitely going to go ahead and read it just because I want to see what happens as he lets more people help him Mm -hmm. do this book. Yeah, I saw Alberto's email and from the email that sounds like there was a big turnaround coming around the next couple of issues. And I read this one looking for that. I won't say I was disappointed. I will say I didn't see a huge turnaround. I saw eh, 10 or 15% improvement, which is going the right direction. Mm-hmm, uh, I, mm-hmm. I still think, you know, he's got a he's got a vision and he's uh, he's overworking himself. If he can find a team he trusts to put his vision uh, down on the page, he's going to end up with a much better product. Yeah, I would like to see if he kind of comes into what he really wanted this to be and then comes back and cleans up these issues. Oh, yeah. Oh, like goes back and does a re-release? Yeah. Okay. That's a possibility. I mean, that's the one great thing about independent comic books, right? This is not Marvel or DC. This guy's doing this on his own dime, on his own time. So he can go back and fix what he decides he didn't like, you know, yeah. later on. It's and not gospel yet. Stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I've seen that done with a lot of different independent books over the years. You know, they do issue one, issue 1B, and then two or three la- years later, there's an issue 1C maybe. And Sometimes it's just a different cover or a different print run, but sometimes it's also like changes to the story, changes to the art. And that's one of the reasons why we love independent comic books, because they have that flexibility. Just makes the first Mm -hmm. version a collector's edition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cross your transistors or something. Dinobots, awaken. Go save Autobot friends. Save our leader, Optimus Prime. Do you understand? If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to address our final question of the podcast. And this time, since she's new to the podcast, I'm going to start with Rachel. (laughs) Are crossovers riskier than an original storyline when it comes to a new comic book series? Yes. You're taking two worlds that people already love and are already super developed and have their own storylines and you're kind of smushing them together. And sometimes that doesn't go well. Gotcha. John, what about you? Damn it. I got to disagree with Rachel for the first time in this episode. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, this is the only time. What? How many times have you disagreed with her? So I think Rachel is saying it's riskier in terms of delivering a, a better story. I was thinking more mm-hmm. financially. I think a crossover is way less risky. So the likelihood of somebody picking up the Transformers Ghostbusters book is way higher because there are two established fan bases that might be interested in it. Mm. So I'm thinking more of in terms of it's way less risky to give some crossover between guys you know because you have a couple of established fan bases. And I might, might pick it up and tear it to shreds, but you sold it at least. So I think it's less risky to do a crossover. Jason? Well, Rachel and John are both right. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a diplomatic send-off. No, well, it's... It, it, it is riskier 
uh, with, you know, maybe pleasing fans with how you uh, pull off the story or how these characters interact, that is, that's a risk because you're dealing with some beloved franchises. But at the same token, people are going to come and pick up that issue. So, you know, you at least get a little bit of financial uh, success, you know, initially because those properties are a big draw. So it depends on, I guess, what you're going for. Uh, with the book, do you want to sell sell books, make money, or do you want to tell a really good story and then look at it that way? I'm going to tell you some other people that I agree with every single week, mm-hmm. and that is our patrons oh, yep. over at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Mm-hmm. And that is you. <gasps> Chad, Mike, Thomas, Levi, Agile, Slow-Mo, Dana, Stubaka, Stian, Will, Greg, Marcus, T2, and Corey! One breath! Yes. One voice! <laughs> wow! Man! I felt like I was blowing out all of John's birthday candles. That was hard! <laughs> Jesus! Wow! <laughs> oh, man! It was going so well, too. <laughs> <laughs> we love those people. Yeah, they do, do so much. Just with a couple of bucks a month, they show us that what we're doing has value and they make us feel like we're appreciated, even out Side of our own little inner circle of four or five people here who work at Gen X Grown Up and Drawn and Panel. Well, Jason, do you think you want to send us off with telling us about the next episode? Well, I can't wait to listen to it, but Rachel, would you like to do the honors? Thanks. I would love to. The next back issue is going to be DC Comics Presents number 47, introducing He-Man. He-Man. Nice. And it's going to be a little crossover Mm. with Superman, so we've got two different worlds there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be Rachel's first full episode as a co-host without Jason (laughs) helping her and guiding her along. It'll be a unique experience, right? Sans Jason, comic sans. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Jason, mm-hmm. thank you so much for this last 12 months, 13 months, however long it's been. I know it's probably for you felt like 17 years as difficult no, as it is to no. work with me. But it, no, it was, it's been my pleasure. I hope you will continue to antagonize me uh, via email. And let me know the things that I get wrong with comic <laughs> books. It's, it, it's been a treat to be here with you on the show, Jace. Well, thank you, John. Well, we will be back, as Rachel said, next week with that back issue edition and in two weeks with one of our regular episodes. Until then, Jason... Again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, It's my pleasure. Rachel, super happy to have you on board. Thanks for having me. And John, always appreciate you. Yep, thanks so much. And podcast listener, we appreciate you most of all, and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye now. Bye. So long. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.